little higher ground. Give the Lord the shout. Can we honor him one more time? Can we lift our hands toward heaven and honor the Lord one more time? Just talk to Jesus from your heart. Make it personal. Make it personal. I know there's a massive crowd here, but just commune with your master. Commune with your Lord. Commune with your Savior. Your name is higher above all the names. Your name is Jesus. Your name is Lord. Your name is higher above all the names. Your name is Jesus. Let me choir. Your name is Lord. Your name.
we give you praise we give you glory tonight again we ask that you give us light we ask that you bring us to that place of revelation and cause us to model everything you have instituted by your wisdom and to become everything you have ordained for us to be that we may live the life of glory manifesting your essence and advancing your kingdom take all the praise tonight father in jesus precious name amen can somebody give the lord a shout of praise one more time you may be seated god bless you hebrews chapter 11 verse 24 to verse 26 I will just try to journey in the lines that God's servant is already told tonight to bring us introduction because this is a, glor a glorious conference. Many persons will ascend to heights of glory that they've never got into before. But it's important for us to have an accurate understanding in order to make the most of what this conference holds for everyone. He said, by faith, Moses, when he was come of years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Go to the next verse. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. And the next verse, he said, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. This scripture reveals two things that blessed my soul. The first thing it revealed was the fact that there was something Moses knew about God that made Moses to exhort reproach. Standing with God, a greater blessing and a greater riches than everything the best of the world could offer. Moses had seen something. Moses had touched something. In fact, the Bible speaking, it said, he saw him that was invincible. In our generation today, we are rather esteeming the world much more than not the reproach of God, but even the blessings and the promises of God. And so it goes to mean that many have gone backward and much more backward than where Moses was standing. Whereas it is expected of our generation to be higher in operation than they ever were because everything they saw was a hope that was in the future but you see we that have been brought into the reality we are still lost in the world and we think pleasure we think the good life is what the world has to offer and the challenge is because we've not had an encounter with jesus and so today, we import things from the world. And it is the way of the world that gives us joy. But here was Moses when Christ had not come. 
Here was Moses when the Holy Ghost had not been given. Here was Moses when the realms and the dispensation of grace had not opened. Having an intimacy with God enough that the Bible would record that he esteemed the reproach of Christ a greater blessing, greater riches than everything Egypt had to offer. And you need to bear this in mind that he was not a slave in Egypt. He was a prince in Egypt. So he had access to the best Egypt had to offer. But he preferred the reproach of Christ. What Moses knew, some of us have not yet known. The second thing about that scripture is the fact that although these guys were in the old dispensation, they were aware that a dispensation was coming. They were aware that Christ was coming. So all their lives, they looked forward to the coming of Christ. So what they were looking at in the future is what we are now looking at in the past. But you see, even they who were gazing into the future seem to have a better visage than some of us who are already in the reality. What did they know and what kind of encounters did they have? This conference is put together to help us come into the actual and accurate revelation of the person of Jesus. Because if the old saints had a glimpse of this person and this personality, then we must experience him in fullness. Otherwise, we would have failed to understand why we were brought on the scene at such a time as this. Moses esteemed the reproach of Christ and called it better riches than the pleasures of Egypt. Moses knew that there was a reality and a person called Christ that was coming and he chose to be part of that possibility so that he may inherit of what he was bringing. We are here now in Christ walking in his dispensation and his fullness. We have no excuse but to domesticate and to personalize this reality. Colossians chapter 2 verse 2 to verse 3. I'm going somewhere. Please follow me. If we have the New Living Translation, I would love us to read it from there. Colossians 2 verse 2 and verse 3. Paul was speaking to the church in Colossus and said, I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I wish I had time to speak about love tonight. He said, I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. Go to the next verse. In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Paul was speaking to a whole church and this was the body Paul had. I know you have touched a few things here and there. He said, but I want you to come into an understanding of God's mysterious plan. And this plan, Paul called it person. Person, Paul said, lies the full riches of wisdom and knowledge. And so there is a heritage that is available to those who come into the knowledge of Christ. And Christ is God's plan. Strategy. Christ 
is God's project. Christ is God's reality. And so every generation must come into the full revelation of the person of Christ in order to be aligned to God's plan. And when they get aligned to God's plan, Paul said they will come into the full riches of wisdom and knowledge. And again, I wish I had time to speak about wisdom. To show us the wealth of wisdom. You know, wisdom was speaking. <laughs> you think wisdom is having understanding of facts and applying them. But when wisdom was speaking, he was revealing himself as a personality. He said, I was with him before he created the foundations of the deep. I was with him. He said, it was by me that he created all things. He said, I was before everything began. So wisdom is telling you that what you know as the beginning is actually not the beginning. It's a place in me. So when Genesis chapter 1 said, in the beginning, he was talking, because there are many beginnings in the spirit. There is a beginning where creation began. That's not where beginning is. Because there were things that existed before that time. So that beginning is a beginning for a realm. He's talking that beginning for you who will walk in time. But there are realms beyond time. Even time is in wisdom. To give you an idea of wisdom. And then you leave the beginning of Moses. You come to the beginning of John. And he said, in the beginning was the world. Beginning is no longer activity. Beginning is now a person. So there was a beginning that was activity of creation. There's another beginning that is a person. In the beginning was the world. The world was with God. And the world was God. All of that technology that your brain can't handle is called the riches of wisdom. So he's saying that when you come into Christ, then you begin to tap from the riches of wisdom. Therefore, every believer who wants to live the God life must understand and experience Christ so that he can receive all the possibilities of Christ. This now brings us to the complete package of the gospel. Because the gospel is the message of Christ and what you become when you encounter Christ. This is why the gospel does not end with Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Speaking about the synoptic gospel now. It also proceeds to the acts of the apostles. Because if the gospel ends with Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, we will not know the efficacy of the gospel. So the gospel is completed when those who encounter him also become like him. Because wisdom must bring and deliver counter Christ. What wisdom will give you is not necessarily things. It's wisdom will give you. Wisdom will give you is to make you become like him. So that as he is, so you too will become. And until you become as he is, you have not met him. Until you become as he is, you have not received what he has to offer. You know, there is so much preaching, but the gospel has not been preached. When you hear people pray, you will know the gospel has not been preached. When you hear people carry out the activities they carry out, no matter how spiritual, you will know the gospel has not been preached. And when you dare to say certain things, like you were saying now, the response of people will show you that the gospel has not been preached. 
For example, when somebody is going out to win souls, you know what he'll tell you? I'm going to win souls. But when he's going out to pray for the sick, he say, I'm hoping that God will touch them. When it has to do with soul winning, he's the one winning them. But when it has to do with healing, Jesus is the one healing them. Because he's not sure they will be healed. Are you seeing the difference? When you find a believer wants to do anything supernatural, he wants to invite God to come down from heaven to manifest his power. But what God is saying is that I'm not coming. I've sent you. When you go, I have come. So when, they, when we enter a place, the power of God have entered there. When we enter a place, the presence of God have entered there. But if the gospel is not preached and you say that, it's called heresy. Like you were saying a while ago, when somebody sins, you will send that person to go on penance and pray to God, hoping that God will forgive him. But when God was talking, he said, whomever sins, you forgive. He said, they are forgiven. Now, if you venture say that believers can forgive sin, it's called heresy. And so what we resolve to do in order to help people come to a level to encounter God for themselves so that they will know it by experience is to teach them prayer, is to teach them fasting so that when they too come there, God will show them there will be no debate. Because it's a difficult thing to preach the gospel now. Because most of the things the gospel advances are heretic to our understanding. And so in a conference like this, where we are bold enough to say the revelation of Jesus, then two things are of necessity. Number one, who is Jesus? And then number two, what does the knowledge of Jesus imply? Does the knowledge of Jesus mean you quote, you pick something from the scripture and quote it? Or the knowledge of Jesus means you become like Jesus? We need to understand this so that this, God, this conference can impact us and can be beneficial to us. So these are two things I'll be doing very quickly tonight to attempt to show us who Christ is. And then number two, to let us know what we must become if we have known who Christ is. This is why I reveal to you that the saints of old, this is what they were looking up to. Because when they saw their limitations, they told themselves, oh, how we wish we met them in person. We would not have suffered this limitation. When they suffered frustration, when they suffered drawbacks, when they suffered all forms of their humanity, they are want and hoping only if we have met Christ. So the Bible said every one of them were looking forward because they knew that knowing Jesus was not just about coming out with theology. They knew that knowing Jesus made you to become like Jesus so that you become the Jesus that the world sees. When they encounter you, they encounter him. And like Paul, you can say, follow me as I follow Christ. If you have met me, even if I don't preach, you will know Jesus. And like John, you will say, as he is, so are we in this world. Not when we get to heaven. When you touch us, you've touched Jesus. That's what the saints of old were looking forward to. That we will become like him. And Jesus knew this. And he said, of all men that live, there's none greater than John. He said, but the least of you in this kingdom is greater than John. Because John was the end of the prophetic era. He was the one who ushered in the Christ. But every one of us living today, 
we are not ushering Christ into the world anymore. We are manifesting Christ. We are embodying Christ. We are personifying Christ. So as he is, so are we. So if John, if you carry one of us into the era of John, and John looks at us and looks at Jesus, if the Holy Ghost doesn't help him, he can point you and say you are the Christ. That's what it means. Because you are supposed to embody him so much that you are identical with him. So that this generation, a church is no longer a, 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 an organization made up of members. A church becomes the ecclesia indeed. Where everybody is an embodiment of a dimension of Christ. So when we come for service, we don't see it based on how we came. We see it based on our dimension. When you touch one, you touch healing. When you touch one, you touch knowledge. When you touch one, you touch power. And you are wondering, what? that's, that's how the, the children of Israel were moving. The tribes, they sat according to their inheritances. So when you are looking for understanding, you go to the Isakas. Because they were trying to mirror what should be now. But they didn't have the fullness of Christ, so they couldn't do it. We that have it now, we don't even know what we have. When you go to their tribes, they sat based on their tribes and based on their inheritances. And when you go to each tribe, they had something to present. But today, church, everything begins and ends with the pulpit. And so everybody is fighting to stand on the pulpit to preach. Whereas, the real pulpit is in the market. The real pulpit is in the bank. The real pulpit is in the academia. But people are not going there as Christ. They are not going there embodying him. So they become holy and spiritually predisposed when they are walking into church. The moment they walk out of church, they become normal. And so there is a need for the revelation of Christ. And like you said, sir, until we know him, we can't know who we are. Because if as he is, so are we in this world. Then we must know as he is before we know how we ought to be in this world. And so quickly, I want to say three things about Jesus and then I'll come down to us because this message is actually more about us. It's actually more about us because we are supposed to be the visible reflection of the invincible God. We are supposed to be the manifest expression of the invincible God. So it is actually more about us. But let's proceed very quickly. The first thing the Bible reveals to us or the first thing I'm going to be sharing here tonight on the person of Christ is the fact that Christ is the visible expression of the invincible God. That Christ is the host of the totality of God. Until Christ manifested no one had seen God in his fullness. You know, the Bible spoke when God was talking to Moses. He said, no man shall see me and live. And again, you see it in scripture. No man have seen him at any time. The son of God, whom is from the bosom of the father, he has declared him. So no one had seen God in fullness until Christ came. So Christ is the embodiment visible embodiment of the invincible God. And so when you touch Christ, you touch God. You know, there's an argument today, like you were saying, when we call him the son of God. Many people think 
is about reproduction. The idea of the Son of God is not about reproduction. The idea of the Son of God is deeper. And this is why most of the religions of the world tend to say that is deception. And they are saying, does God have a wife? How does he have a child? And you see that even scientifically speaking, that argument is defeated. Because not every animal needs a wife to give birth. And a moeba does not need a wife to give birth. There is a system called mitosis where the animal separates into two. And two of them are identical. Both of them have the same DNA. You don't need a wife to produce an offspring. So when we are talking about the son of God, we are not talking about biology. We are not talking about reproduction. We are talking about a high spiritual reality. And that reality is the fact that God decided to flesh out. God decided to become material. God decided to become visible. That's what we are talking about. In John chapter 1 verse 1, it said, In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. And the word was God. It didn't say the word was like God. It said the word was God. And in verse 14, it said this word that was God was made flesh or became flesh and we beheld his glory the glory as of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth so when we call him son of god we are talking word made flesh word made flesh god become flesh and he didn't just manifest and left a portion of god in heaven the bible said in colossians 2 9 that he pleased the father that the fullness not part of God. The fullness of the Godhead should dwell in him bodily. So when Christ shows up, you are seeing the Father, you are seeing the Son, you are seeing the Holy Ghost at the same time. Philip said, show us the Father that we might see him. And he said, you have been with me all this while and you know not the Father. He said, whoever have seen me have seen the Father. Can I tell you something? The time Jesus walked on earth, that was the first time the angels saw the fullness of God. They had been in heaven for aeons, but they've never seen him. You know why? Because nothing could trap God. Because even eternity was in him. There was no container that could contain God. And so what God did in heaven was that a dimension will appear on the throne. And they will look up. Another dimension will appear. They will look up. That's why they kept worshipping. Because when they look up, what they saw was different from what they are seeing now. So they worship, they look up, they see another one. They worship, they look up, they see another one. Because they couldn't trap the whole of God. Those of you who studied physics, you know what I'm talking about. You know the way the diamonds behave. Diamond refract and reflect light. So when you carry diamond in the night, you see that every ray of light that enters is absorbed and reflected. So it's glittering. So what the angels do is that when they bend down, they see wisdom. They worship wisdom. They bow down, they see power. They worship power. They bow down, they see knowledge. They worship knowledge. And so they keep doing it forever and ever and ever. So if you ask them, who is God? They can't tell you. That's why the angels didn't give him a name. They called him holy. Holy means you are in your own class. There is none like you. We don't know you, so we know that you are in your own class. There is none like you. No one compares to you. So the word holy is not a name. It's a class. But when Jesus walked on the earth for the first time, 
all of the dimensions that for billions of aeons that they were seeing and worshipping all of that dimension was aggregated together for the first time and so that which was in the beginning and that which will be at the end all came together at one and he embodied all and he was walking on the earth so even the angels came to peep men came to peep all kinds of creatures came to peep who is this and they said this is god walking on the face of the earth for the first time god didn't appear in heaven god decided to appear on earth amongst men so christ is the fullness of god manifested you know what jesus did all his life he was containing god all his life because if he released it if he released it the act will dematerialize. The act, we can, nothing can contain him. So he, he was containing God. And the whole idea behind the resurrection is so that they can distribute God. So the God that was trapped in one in the resurrection became a buffet that anybody who comes to Christ will take. Anybody who comes to Christ will take. Anybody who comes to Christ will take. And so in Christ, he said that the fullness he gave of his fullness have we all received grace heaped upon grace. And see the wonder. See, this is where scientists learned the idea of Bluetooth from. That he can give you the fullness and he will reduce. I can give you the whole song. The whole song can enter your phone. But the whole song is still in my phone. And I can distribute the same song to everybody with Bluetooth and it will not reduce. It will not reduce. So the same song that Moses please has is the same song I have. It's the same song Pastor Shola has. So when all of us manifest now, we all become custodians of God. Carriers of God. Manifestors of God. This is Christianity. And so Christianity is not a religion. They thought we are one of the many religions of the world. No, we are not one of them. Every other religion is trying to access God. But in Christianity, we are divinity manifested in flesh. In Christianity, we are carriers of God. We are unveilers of God. Somebody give the Lord a shout. You see how the, this knowledge works? That God was embodied in Christ. And when we contacted Christ, we received the fullness of God. So as he is, so are we. That's the revelation of Jesus. The revelation of Jesus does not stop with him. It progresses to us. He carries the whole of God. And when we contacted him, he transferred God into us. So that we too can host and manifest God. And so who is Jesus? Jesus is God made flesh. Jesus is divinity manifested in humanity. Jesus is God. Invisible God made visible. Jesus is the totality of God walking in one vessel for the first time in all aeon. This is the revelation of Christ. If you know this, your walk with God is no longer a religion. It's good to go somewhere and pray because you need to be alone. You need quietness. You need focus. You need concentration. 
But when you know this, you are no longer saying, God is somewhere that I'm going to look for him. No, God is on your inside. You excavate him. So when you are praying, you are praying from understanding. Another person thinks he needs to go and climb Mount Sinai to pray. Even if you were on Mount Sinai, the best thing Mount Sinai would do for you is to avoid distraction. The fullness of God is on your inside. And so when you are praying, you are not looking outward, you are looking inward. And so two people can be speaking in tongues. One is hoping for something to happen. Another one is bubbling from the inside. After a while, God rises from his inside and overshadows him. Because now he knows that God is no longer just in heaven. Now he knows that God is in a man. And the first man God was in was Jesus. But he didn't stop there. Now everyone that believes in him carries God. And so for him, God is not just sitting on the throne in heaven. For him, there is also a throne in his heart where God dwells. Where God sits. And so his consciousness changes. This is Christianity. This is the life of the spirit. This is what we were all called into. We were not called to become part of a religion. We were invited into a fellowship. And so John speaking in 1 John chapter 1 from verse 1. He said that which was from the beginning. Which we have heard. Which we have seen. Which we have looked upon. And our hands have handled of the word of life. He said that's what we've come to commit to you. That's what we've come to give to you. We've come to give you a kind of fellowship. That brings you into oneness with God. Glory to Jesus. Do you see why we love Jesus so much? Because Jesus was the one who made it possible for me to carry God. Before now, everybody was going to Shiloh. Everybody was going to Bethel to touch God. But when I contacted Jesus, I became Shiloh. I became Bethel. I became the embassy of God. Because now God dwells on my inside. Does this mean we shouldn't go seek God? No, that's not the idea. There's a place of fellowship. There's a place of the corporate anointing. There's a place of the priesthood. All of that we are commanded to do. But we know that over and above that is to awaken what is on our inside. Are you seeing this? Are you following this? Jesus is God made flesh. Secondly, who is Jesus? Jesus is the author of everything God offers. He is the source of all realities. He is the source of all realities. The Bible said all things were made by him. John chapter 1 verse 2. Without him was not anything made that was made. And he went further. In him was life. So the power to animate reality is in Christ. So in that scripture, he reveals to us that Jesus is the creator of all things and he's not just the creator, he is the animator of those things. Because things can be created and not animated. There are many things created now that are not functional. There are many things created now that are dormant and inactive. So Jesus does not just create. A dead man is a creation. But it's not animated. Life is not on his inside. So he's revealing to us that Jesus is the one who brings realities out of nothing. The technology, the ability of God to bring things out of nothing 
is Christ. And when he brings things out of nothing, he still has the inherent power to animate them. That's the revelation of the Christ. And so this also goes to help you understand who you are. What it means is that whatever I touch cannot die. Whatever I do cannot fail. Because the one who creates and animates now dwells on my inside. But you see, many Christians don't know who Jesus is. That's why they are defeated in life. They don't know that he's the life. They don't know that he's the creator. They don't know that his duty in the Godhead is to create and to animate. And so anywhere Jesus comes, things work. Things happen. And even if those things were not there, he has the power to put it there. Somebody may be here now. There is no promotion in your tomorrow. Wait until you encounter Jesus. That promotion may not be there. He will put it there. Because he created, he is still creating. Somebody may be here. They say you have no womb anymore. They have removed it. They are joking. Womb is not just a biological thing. Womb is something that was created and animated. And the one who creates and animates womb, guess what? It's not just the heaven, it's inside you. And so what you need to do is to go back into that factory by faith and check in Christ and reactivate it. That's why Moses please said, miracle. No, they tired Jesus. His job is to create and to animate. This is who Jesus is. So when we say we have Christ, it's not religion. When we say we have Christ, we mean we have the creative power. We mean we have the animative power. That means we have come into another kind of life. We are nothing in us dies. We have come into another form of life when nothing in us fails. And that's why Pastor Shala was saying that when you say these things, people will think you are being braggadocious. But that's your reality. When you say these things, people think you are proud. But that's who you are. It will be failing until you come. And you know, you know it like you know your name. That when I become a part of it, it cannot fail. It's not it will not fail. It cannot fail. Because the creative power dwells here. The life force dwells here. This is who Christ is. Let me read a few scriptures quickly. Oh, Jesus the Lord. Oh, Jesus the Lord. Oh, Jesus the Lord. <laughs> Somebody give the Lord a shout. <laughs> oh, my God. First John chapter 5, verse 11 to verse 13. Hear what the Bible says. It said, and this is the record. Because many are not aware that God had given us eternal life. And he said, this life first is in his son. The life is in his son. And he said in verse 12, he that had the son had life. He that had not the son had not life. He said, these things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the son of God. That you may know. That you may know. Because this is not a feeling. It's a knowing. Some people think until they feel something. Things are not happening. You don't need to feel anything for anything to happen. You just need to know. He said that you may know. That you have eternal life. Why? Because the author of life. Now dwells on your inside. 
So the second revelation of Jesus is that he is the creator in the Godhead and that he is the animator of the things that are created. But in his generosity, he didn't just trap it in himself. He was generous to dispense it to everyone. And so if you see John chapter 5 verse 21, it says, for as the father raises up the dead and quickeneth them, he said, even so, the son also have the power to quicken the dead. So, the son has the power to give life to the dead. So, he is the custodian of life. And because of that, he is the animator of reality. So, anywhere Jesus is, dies. Anywhere Jesus is, nothing fails. Because the life force is domiciled on his inside. But the good news is that the life is not just in him. The life is now in us because we carry him. And so John chapter 1 verse 4, he said, Every one of us who received him, he said that life is not just in us, but he said that life has become our light. That life has become our animative force. That life has become what powers our existence. In John 10, 28, it said, And I give unto them eternal life, that they will never perish, neither shall any of them be plucked out of my hands. And so when a Christian is speaking, not just about this realm, but the realm to come, it's because he knows what he carries in Christ. Because now the author of life and the creator of all things dwells on his inside. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the creator and the animator of realities. And then finally tonight, who is Jesus? Jesus is the sustainer and the enabler of men. When you find men doing supernatural things, it's because Jesus has become one with them. When you find men doing supernatural things, is because Jesus has entered into them. When you find men doing supernatural things, is because they are connected to someone. And that someone they are connected to is the master himself. I give you a few scriptures before I enter into my major emphasis. Because my major emphasis tonight is also to show you how to manifest Christ. That's why I told you, it doesn't begin with the four synoptic gospels and ends there. It must include the acts of the apostles. It must include them. You know, if it's our generation that wrote the Bible, we would have called it the acts of the Holy Ghost. Just to appear pious and respectful to God. We will call it the acts of the Holy Ghost. But those who wrote it knew what they were saying. If you have taught him, you are like him. It's the apostles acting. I know that's heavy for you. If I say, it's the acts of the Holy Ghost, you know it's the Holy Ghost walking in them, you'll say, yeah, yeah, that's true, that's true. <laughs> when you leave this conference, you will become a wonder. Yeah. Hallelujah. Praise God. So Jesus is the enabler of men. He's the one who empowers
empowers us. He's the one who strengthens us to do all that we ever do. Uh, John 1.17 I show you a few scriptures. He said, for the law was given by Moses. He said, but grace and truth came by Jesus. Grace, the ability of God to do, the ability of God to manifest. He said, it came by Jesus. So anyone who receives Jesus has the ability of God on his inside to do what God does. In fact, in John chapter 14 verse 12, I saw a scripture that took me many years to be able to believe because of the obvious lack and the obvious defeats of my life. Jesus was speaking and he said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, he said, the works that I do shall ye do also. If he stopped there, it would have been unbelievable. But he didn't stop there. He said, and greater works shall ye do because I go to the Father. What do you mean? Were you not the one that was, count, was caught at one point walking on water? Were you not the one on several occasions who came to the dead and said, come forth, and they rose back to life? Were you not the same one at some point that went to the lame and said, walk? Were you not the one at some point that looked at the blind and said, open? Were you not the one at many occasions that spoke to the deaf and the head and the ear open? How can you say, I will do those things and do greater? Because he knew that the ability he had that made him do it, the same has entered you. He didn't say it is going to enter. He said it has already entered you. But the problem with Christians is that they don't know who Jesus is. So they don't know who they should be. So most of us, we pride ourselves in the cars that we drive. What a mundane life. Most of us pride ourselves in our human associations and affiliations. What a mundane life. Most of us pride ourselves in our positions in secular institutions. What a wasted life. All of those things are good. They are platforms for advancing kingdom. But over and above that, who we are cannot be traced externally. Who we are will always be traced based on our internal reality. And the first thing about our internal being is that as he carried God, so are we carrying God. The second thing about our internal being is that as the creative and animative force of life dwelt in him, so does he dwell in us. The third thing about us is that the same power and enabling force that was working in him is the same that is working on our inside. This is who we are. This is what Christianity ought to be. But because we've not had a revelation of Jesus, we can never have a revelation of ourselves. And so many persons see themselves in the lens and the lenses of their job. So if they call them servant on their job, they see themselves and act as servants. 
If they call them managers, they see themselves and act as managers. If they call them CEOs, they see themselves and act as CEOs. And if they lose their job and they call them fired, they see themselves as fired. So their lives are like this. One day, they were servants, they became CEO, they became fired. And so, the person that was up yesterday suddenly goes down. But the one who sees himself after the order of the Christ, there is no fluctuation about his life. His path is as a shining light that shines brighter and brighter unto the perfect day. His journey is upward, forward, upward, forward only. So there is no such thing as rising and falling with him. He rises and rises. He rises and he keeps rising. And he keeps rising until he gets to heaven on the perfect day. This is why the revelation of Jesus is too important. He is our enabler. And so there is nothing on earth I think can defeat me. If I get into battle, I'm not hoping to win. I'm waiting for the day of victory. I know I must win. Because I'm more than a conqueror. I never see any battle as able to defeat me. Because there is an enabler on my inside. You know, when Jesus wanted to explain what it means as an enabler, he defined himself in sevenfold. They are called the seven I am's of Christ. He said, I am the bread of life. I am. He began to show us what he is on our inside. Because you may not know what an enabler is. You may not know the dimensions of enablement on your inside. So in John 6.35 and John 6.48, he said, I am the bread of life. He said, whoever eats of me. So when we are eating the word of God, we are eating Christ to be more enabled. He said, whoever eats of me will not die. Even if he dies, he will live again. You know what that means? That means your enablement is beyond the realm of human life. That dimension of enablement is a dimension of enablement that repairs, that corrects, that animates, and that resurrects things. So when we are talking about your enablement, we are not just talking about an enablement that keeps you prospering. We are talking about a kind of enablement that even if there was failure in what you are doing, you have the power within you to jack it back to life. So this ministry will not fail. If you are hoping that this ministry will fail, you are joking. Because what should have become a failure will become a platform for greater manifestation. The business you are doing will not fail. If they are waiting for your business to fail, they are joking. When they think the business has gone down, you are about to open it to different tributaries. Because they are, they, in fact, they will go and sit down and say, Kai, we said it. It was not going to last. Now the business has crumbled. The next time they see you, you are on your way to Washington, D.C. for a meeting. And you tell them, I've opened another chain of business. Because not in faith. He is the bread. He is the bread. Do you know the battles of the enemy? The battle of the enemy is to choke you. Is to kill your morale. Is to weaken your spirit and to break your spirit. Many people are not defeated because of the size of their battles. They are defeated because of the arrows that come to their heart. They are broken, they are defeated. And when their spirit is broken, even if they had the advantage, they will fail. Even in the natural, men know it. Before an army goes to war, there are orators that come to jack up their morale. Because who wins is not about the number of army. Who wins?
it is about the height of morale. And so what Jesus is talking about is that there is something I inject into every man's spirit. There is something I put on your inside that makes the bigger battle not to be defeat but bigger testimonies. That makes the bigger battle not to be a frustrated life but a more glorious life. So you that have cancer, your testimony is greater than the one who has headache. The question is not that ah, cancer kills, headache does not kill. No, death is not in the equation anymore. The bread of life will energize you from any level you get to in life. So the question is, what is the size of your testimony? What is the magnitude of your testimony? Somebody who has 10 million and earns 15 million is not really having a testimony. But you who have just a hundred naira, if after three months you move to the realm of 20 million, then we are talking from there because there's an enabler on your inside. So you don't draw your strength from external things anymore. There is a source of strength on your inside. There's a source of strength on your inside. And those of you who are spiritual, you know. Everything is failing. Everybody has given up. You just tell everybody, leave me alone. Sometimes, even your wife, you say, please don't worry, honey, wait. And you go to a quiet place. And you are walking around. And you are walking around. And you are walking around. It looks as if the world is broken upon your shoulders. It looks as if hell has broken loose. And suddenly, while you are walking around, you will just hear, if that same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead lives in you, if that same spirit, if that same, you will notice that strength comes up in your spirit. And you come back celebrating. And they say, what happened? I've eaten bread. I've touched the bread of life. I've touched, I've eaten something. And that is enough. That is enough. They told you, oh, they have ganged up against you. The CEO, the manager, and the board of directors had a meeting yesterday. And everybody was on your matter. You say, give me the night. My dear, go and rest. And while everybody is sleeping, you are walking around. And sometimes, if your spirit is not catching it, you play some sound at the background. And the sound is playing. And you are walking. If that's not working, after a while, you add some tongues. And suddenly, around 3.45 a.m., you will now hear all power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go in that power. The next day, they will think you will come to the office afraid. That's the day you wear your tuxedo suit. That's the day you dress like a king. And you that CEO, you that manager, you that board members ganged up against, you are walking in because now you have carried all power. That's what your spirit ate last night. And you are walking in. You are walking in with a smile. And the CEO that ganged up with the board members suddenly looks at you. And what you will see is no longer your face. The light of his glory will come out of you. And the CEO will meet you and say, Ah, what is happening? My brother, ha, ha, ha. before you know what is happening, they change their story. They change their narrative. And they were saying they will sack you. Now they say your name will be on the list for those who will go to America for training. I am the bread of life. Your spirit needs energy. Jesus is your enabler. He's your strength. 
That's why he's introducing himself. Not to let you know that he's just bread for you to eat. He's showing you the power that will take you out of affliction. The power that will take you out of the miracle. And he didn't stop there. He said in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. Him that walketh with me will not walk in darkness, but we have the light of life. And so he's talking to you about wisdom that explains hard sentences. You know what happened to Daniel? The king had a dream. And the king said, come and tell me my dream. Sir, if you ask us to explain your dream, at least we will try. But if you tell us to tell you your dream, then you are bringing us an impossible task. You know what the wise men of Babylon told him? He said, no, no, no. What you are asking for is only possible among the gods. And when Daniel showed up, he didn't discount it. He said, you are right. But you see, some of us are among the gods. Yeah, are gods. Because you are the children of the Most High God. It's among the gods. You are right. And when Daniel came to the king, he said, the only thing I ask for, give us time. Because this one will require us to travel. We need to travel. He said, there's a God that revealed secrets. It's not everything you will read in Harvard. Harvard is limited. It's not everything you will read in Oxford. Physics cannot answer every question. Biology cannot answer every question. Anatomy and physiology cannot answer every question. This is why you need the light of the world. And the Bible said, then was the secret revealed to Daniel in a night vision. See the way God works. Why others are laboring, reading books. He told Daniel, go and rest. This one is not studied, it's given. And why the guy was sleeping? So some people go to school in classrooms. Others go to school while they are sleeping. So they learn more sleeping than those who are laboring. You see how it works? So while they are reading, we are reading with them. While they are studying, we are studying with them. But when they go to sleep, while they are in the state of slumber, our own class continues. Because we have come among spirit of just men made perfect. We have come to the innumerable company of angels. We have come to the realm of the Holy Spirit. And so everything brings light to us. Because I am the light of the world. We can't walk in darkness. And you know the excellency of light? It's not just that it gives you understanding. It gives you dominion. This is why we rule on earth. The reason Joseph became prime minister in Egypt was because of light. The king looked at him and said, in as much as God has shown you these things, he said, there's no one in your class. According to your word, shall the nations be ruled. The moment Daniel knew it, the Bible said, the king thought to make him president of the realms. So when he said, you are the light of the world, he's giving you dominion on your job. He's giving you dominion in your family. He's giving you dominion in your life. You have to be conscious that it's not only all you read that you know. Much more than you read is what you know because Christ is your light. Christ is your understanding. Thank God for your readings. Thank God for your certificate. But most of the questions of life, your certificate can answer them. I'm not discouraging you from reading. 
I'm an academician. But I'm telling you that there are realms beyond the stars. There are dimensions beyond books. There are realms that are communicated to men. When Daniel walked into the court, everybody was panicking. The Bible said the king was shaking because a handwriting came from the wall and wrote something that was not in human language. But the guy had known something. When he showed up, he began to talk to the king like a god. You know, everybody bows to the king. Everybody looks for the favor of the king. But this one now has enough authority to bring judgment. He said, the Lord made you king in the stead of your father. He gave you dominion over the ends of the earth. He said, you decided to worship the God of stone, the God of iron. He said, therefore is this hand come. Mene, mene. Take care. Oh, How did you read it? Because they could not even read it. If you can't read it, how will you explain it? But the man knew where that hand came from. He has gone to the regions of light. The queen herself said that in him is the spirit of the Holy Ghost. He said light and understanding dwells with him. And he has the power to explain hard sentences. And so when he showed up, he was not talking as one that read from a book of a school of philosophy. He was talking as one that came from the chambers of light. Mene, mene. Take care. Take care. Overseen. And he went to interpret it. He said, tonight, you have been weighed on the balances. Who told you that they weigh men? Where do they weigh them? Where did you go to? How did you know how men are judged? I was there. I knew the judgments that were passed. I knew the hands that were sent. That's why I know the language. He said, you have been weighed on the balances. He said, tonight, your kingdom shall be divided from you. And it shall be given to the maidens and the patients. That night, Babylon fell. Because a wise man spoke. And look at this. Daniel only had a type and shadow. We who are in Christ, the fullness of God is on our inside. The fullness of God is on our inside. You will not fail any exam from today. You will not fail any question of life from today. Because Jesus is your enabler. And as your enabler, he's your light. He's your light. He's your light. That's why Paul was speaking. He said, when Christ is our life shall appear. When he, shall, he is your light. I decree over you every question of life that is making a mockery of your destiny. You answer them tonight. Somebody shout! Did you not read? First Corinthians 1 30 and 31. It said, Christ has been made unto us wisdom. So we read, we study. It says, study to show thyself approved unto God. A watchman that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We study, but beyond our study, there's a light that we see. There's a light that we carry. That's what Job had. In Job 29 verse 4, he says, as I was in the days of my youth, when the secrets of God was upon my tabernacle. He said, by light, I walk through darkness. The dominion over darkness is a function of light. So one of the dimensions Jesus enables us is in illuminating our spirit. And Paul was speaking in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17. He said, for this cause I pray that he may grant unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. He said that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know the hope of your calling and the riches of the inheritance of the saints in light and the exceeding greatness of his power that he wrought when he rose us, rose Christ from the dead. And so the illumination of, of Christ gives you hope. The illumination of Christ exposes you to the riches of your calling. And the illumination of Christ activates power 
for dominion in your life. This is why you cannot be a fail, a slave. This is why you cannot be a, a failure. Every one of us is the head and the head only because light has come. We walk in light. He said the, the word of the Lord is a light unto my feet and a lamp unto my path. We have come into light because Christ is our light. We are enabled by the illuminations of Christ. He enables us from the inside. We can't be defeated even when the enemy is planning. We are sleeping but there is a light that we carry. They can put something on your seat in the office and that day you come to the office and you just carry your books from your table and you go and sit in another location and the person who put the charm knows he's in trouble because light has come. You are not seen but you know. You are asleep but you are aware because there's a light illuminating you. And then sometimes if you want to defy the devil they put the charm there, you sit there. There's a light you carry that makes the charm powerless. And when the person sees it, he will say, what is this? He said, you shall tread upon scorpions and serpents. They shall by no means hurt you. If you shall drink any deadly thing, it shall by no means hurt you. Light has come. Light has come. Light has come. That's why Jews in Psalm, he said, Imole deo okuku barada Imole deo okuku barada Sometimes you are going for an interview. You are about to walk out and the Holy Ghost says, carry that book, go with it. And you just picked a book that was in your house, useless for 10 years. You didn't even know why you bought it. And as you are going for the interview, you are bored. You open a page and read it. When you go for that interview, the only question they ask you is in that page. It took 10 years of programming for you to come there. Even you, you are not aware, but light was working. When you bought the book 10 years ago, God was mindful of the interview 10 years later. And on the day of that interview, light came. It's not your certificate, your masters that gave it to you. It was light. Light. Somebody will step into light tonight. I am the light of the world. He said, he that walketh with me will not walk in darkness, but we have the life of life. Light of life. And he went further. In John 11, 25, he said, I am the resurrection. I am the life. Hey! Who talks like Jesus? Do you know where he was talking? It was not in a theology class. He was talking in the grave, in front of the grave. So when you talk there, you must manifest it. But he was not intimidated by death. If he was teaching it in a theological seminary, it would have been easy because no dead man was there. He was saying this thing where there was not just a dead man, but a decayed one for four days. Brain cells, dead. Brain, rotting. Body, stinking. I am the resurrection and the life. And he said, whoever believeth in me, though he were dead, he will live again. And he said, if he were alive, he shall never die. Tell yourself, I shall never die. That's the empowerment. And in order to show you that what he was saying 
was not cheap talk. When he finished, he said, roll, roll away the stone. And Martha thought he was joking. He said, no, master, he's been buried for four, four days. By now, he should be smelling. He said, have I not told you? If thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of the Lord. Roll the stone away. Only Jesus talks like that. Muhammad cannot talk like that. Buddha cannot talk like that. Only Jesus talks like that. Roll away the stone. And when they rolled it away, he didn't whisper. In all authority as the lion of the tribe of Judah, he stood and with a loud voice, he cried, Lazarus, comfort. Higher, higher. A karakasuna. And the Bible said, him that was dead came back to life. Do you know why he proved it? He proved it so that you will believe that if you know this, you will never die. There's something in you that animates them. See, the apostles knew these things. They knew it so much. The Bible said in Acts 5 verse 15, as they left the place of prayer, they were not religious people. You know the difference between the Pharisees' prayer and the prayer of the apostles? The Pharisees prays in praying to pride. The apostles pray to power. When they pray, they stand by the street corner to receive the applause of men. But when the apostles pray, their shadows begin to heal the sick. The Bible said as Peter was walking, he said his shadow came upon them and they came back. Are you seeing that these things are in levels? The first time, Peter had to draw the man up for strength to enter. Now, even the strength is transferred in the shadow. And the shadow was raising the dead. Because the reason he rose Lazarus is for you to believe that nothing in you will die. Jesus is your enabler. Jesus is your power. Jesus is your ability. Jesus is your strength. Jesus is your all and all in all. That's why you cannot be defeated. That's why you cannot be overcome. I am the resurrection and the life. And he continued like that. He said, I am the door. This is why you have access into the Holy of Holies. Because I am the door. So it's no longer a prerogative of the high priest. Everybody has access to the fullness of the presence. And he didn't stop there. He said, I am the vine. You are the branches. So he's your connection to God. And he didn't stop there. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one cometh to the Father but by me. All of these are different dimensions of enablement. Brothers and sisters, we have too much to be defeated. Because we have known him. Because we have met him. So we have strength. We have life. We have power. We have everything that pertains to life and to godliness. Why then is our life the way it is? Because when you have known Jesus, you must manifest Jesus. And there are four ways of manifesting Jesus. Number one is to sustain the consciousness. Sustain the consciousness. Do you know what the devil is doing every day? The devil knows how spiritual things work. So he wants to give you a wrong consciousness. Because reality flows through consciousness. So every news you hear is about fear about death, about sickness, about immorality, about worldliness, to choke your consciousness. Because consciousness is not just knowledge. 
is a threefold reality. Consciousness is awareness and it migrates to harmony and it migrates to oneness. Consciousness begins from awareness. When you know these things, you are aware of it, then you stay there in meditation until you begin to align. It's like coming to the same realm of vibration, what we call resonance in physics. When you, when you are conscious of a reality and you keep your, your focus there, a point comes, you begin to vibrate at the same frequency with that reality. So you can no longer be separated from that reality. And a point comes, you become one with that reality. So in Colossians chapter 3, from verse 1 to 3, Paul said, if we say we are dead with Christ and we are risen with him, he said three things. Number one, he said, let our affections be on the things that are above where Christ is. Let our focus, let our attention, let our affection be on those things that are above. But look at Christians today. They are thinking house rent. They are thinking lost. They are thinking failure. They are thinking fear. And they don't know why the Christ in them cannot manifest. They don't know why the glory in them cannot manifest. And the point comes because they are barren of these things. The devil begins to whisper to them, could this thing be a lie? So they descend from glory and walk like ordinary men. And the Bible said, I've seen an abomination upon the face of the earth. It said, princes are trekking. White beggars are riding on horses. So those of us who should be carriers of healing, we are the ones in the hospital begging doctors to help us. Those of us who should answer the questions of humanity, we are the ones crying and looking for hope from government. Those of us who should be the light of the world, we are the ones groveling in darkness, hoping that somebody will bring light. It's called an abomination under heaven. But the reason men deteriorate to the abominable level is because their consciousness were wrong. If you are risen with Christ, let your affection be on the things above. And you know what? The difficult thing is that even religion have gone further to weaken our consciousness. Because what religion does is to push the works of Christ aside and exalt the works of man. And so today, you have people talking big things about themselves, not about Jesus. And the question is, is it a man you should look at or Christ? Paul said, when I preach my gospel in Galatians 3 from verse 1, he said, what I did was to make Christ evident, manifested, and manifestly crucified. So when Paul teaches, you are seeing the image of Jesus Christ. And the more you see it, the more consciousness heightens. And the more consciousness heightens, the more you become one. Because you move from awareness into harmony, into oneness. And when oneness is achieved, when people see you, they can't differentiate you from Christ. Then you can speak like John, as he is. So are we in this world. And so if there's no sickness in him, there's no sickness in you. If there's no defeat in him, there's no defeat in you. If there's no failure in him, there's no failure in, him, in you. If there's no death in him, there's no death in you. And so whatever the devil throws at you, your consciousness will overcome it. When there's no money in your account, you say, I am loaded because I bring money to, to bear. I bring money to reality. I am not rich because there's money in my account. I am rich because I, I, I am the value that creates money. Consciousness. There's a growth on your body. You tell the devil, what is the meaning of this? 
Are you not aware that I'm bam in Gilead? Are you not aware that I am healing in, in, in motion? Because if we lay hands on the sick, they recover. If the hand is connected to me, how can sickness be in me? Because the life flows out of me through my hands. In the name of Jesus, die. And the matter ends there. And even if he remains there for three days, you are not afraid. You know he has no choice but to die. Because your consciousness is superior to your experience. That's Christianity. The first way to activate this reality is by consciousness. Don't let anything make you think apart from what the Bible says. I know you may not be married. I know you may have sickness, struggling with battles of sickness. I know things may not be working. Don't let it enter your mind. If it gets your consciousness, you are finished. No matter how long, light, joy comes in the morning. That's how the apostles were thinking. They say, our light affliction are but for a moment. They work for us an exceeding weight of glory. Do you know what Paul was calling light affliction? He was calling 39 strokes of the cane light affliction. He was calling many shipwrecks light affliction. He was calling imprisonment light affliction. He was calling hopelessness in many situations light affliction. There was a time they were in Asia. He said they came to the point of death. Literally, everything was not working. But they had a consciousness. They had a consciousness. They had a consciousness that all of these things are a light affliction. And what they are doing is that they are walking a protocol of glory. That was the consciousness they carried. And over and above all the circumstances, they will always come out victorious. This is Christianity. When you have encountered Jesus, it behoves you to build that consciousness. That job that looks as if it has gone down will rise again. That's the power of resurrection. That your health that seems deteriorated will begin again is the power of resurrection and it's on your inside. The second thing you do when you want to manifest this reality is to believe it no matter what. We don't believe facts. We believe truth. There's a difference between truth and fact. Fact is what your environment call it. Truth is what it is in reality. You are seeing a blue light here or a greenish light here because this ambience, this light created this ambience. If we off this light, you will see the true texture of this place. This place is dark now. If you think this is green, if they change the color of this light to red, you will say, ah, was it red? While you are yet contemplating, they will change it to blue. And then you are wondering. And the reason you can't believe in fact is that the God of this world is a God of the external realm. It's called God of this world. So he can manipulate the external. And facts are based on external realities. The devil has the authority to manipulate the external. And so whatever the external is saying, you will stick to what the word says. And if you stay there, over time, what the word says, we change what the external is. Because the word is designed to change the external. He said it sustains all things by the word of his power. But many have not built conviction. If you are walking in faith, there are two levels. When you start, you will start by believing in God to change those things. That's the 
young, genuine level of faith. Trust God and God answers. Trust God and God changes it. That's the Abrahamic order. In Romans 4, he said, what did Abraham our father found? What he found was to believe God. He said, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. He staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief. He was strong in faith, giving glory to God. So when you believe God, God answers. But faith doesn't stop there. Faith moves to the level of the faith of the Son of God. And in the level of the faith of the Son of God, you don't just believe God. You talk to the mountain. You don't talk to the mountain about, you don't talk to God about the mountain. You talk to the mountain about God. So when you meet mountains, you are not saying, oh, Father, come and remove this mountain. No. When you meet the mountain, you say, I come against you in the name of the Lord God of Israel. I come against you in the name of Jesus, the resurrected Christ. Be uprooted. And the mountain, we have no choice but to obey you. That's the proof of conviction. It's a faith that have works. It's a faith that have actions. For many Christians, they don't have consciousness and they don't have faith. They don't have conviction. And the reason is because they either don't know it or they know it and they have not put it to work. So you must move from the level of consciousness to believing enough to take an action. That your visa that they denied you, apply again. That business that looks as if it has gone down, go and pray, receive strength, start it again. That ministry that looks as if it's failing, go and pray, start it. Did you study about the apostles? There were cities they entered, they flogged them, they ran away, entered another city and continued. If you are a minister in Lagos today and ministry fails here, 20 years later you still be here and say the thing no work. That's not a poor. There were many cities poor entered, ministry didn't work. They beat him, flog him. He will stand up and say, let's go to the next city. Ministry is not about city. It's a move of God. Anywhere we go to, ministry continues. That's how business works. We keep moving because we carry him. Put it to work. Let your conviction make you take action. And then when you reach there, you move to the third level. Talk it. Talk it everywhere. Talk it to everybody. Talk it to every being. If you keep quiet, your destiny will shut down. I'm telling you why most of you are not manifesting these things. And you know how faith works? There's a level you get to. If you don't experience it, you will start disbelieving it. And if you want to experience it, you must talk it. John, Romans 10, 9 verse 10. If thou believest in thy heart that Jesus is the Son of God, he died and rose from the dead and confess with your mouth he said, you shall be saved. He said, with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. With the mouth. So what catapults you into the experience you are looking for? It's not with the heart, it's with the mouth. And many people are talking only the wrong things. Talking only things that takes them down. And they are wondering, why is God in me and it's not working? It's because you say it's not working. Because you are the only one who thinks it's not working. The angels know it's working. Jesus knows it's working. The Holy Ghost knows it's working. The Father knows it's working. Even the devil knows it's working. But the devil knows that until you say it's not working, it's not working. So he comes to you and whispers, say it's not working. And he said, put me in remembrance of my word. He said, according to thy word, thou shalt be justified. And according to thy words, thou shalt be condemned. He said, God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all you ask or think according to the power that is at work how does that power work by talking that's why i said i put in your mouth the power of life and death 
He said, you will eat the one you choose. If you talk life, you have life. If you talk victory, you have victory. If you talk promotion, you have promotion. If you talk height, you have height. But most of us, we believe God, but we are talking evil. We are talking failure. He said, let no one in Zion say, I am sick. It doesn't mean some are not sick, but don't say it. Say you are healed. Because it's in saying you are healed that you are healed. It's the principle of God. In the beginning, there was darkness. God never said there's darkness. God said, light be. Faith is not denial of fact, but it's refusal of fact to dominate you. I know there's darkness, but I will talk light. I know there's sickness, but I will talk life. I know there's failure, but I will talk victory. And as I'm talking it, a point comes. It becomes my reality. It becomes my reality. And number four, when God does anything, testify. Many don't testify. And that's why they are not made whole. In Luke 17, verse 17 to 19, it said, 10 lepers were cleansed. Nine forgot. One came back. And Jesus asked, where are the nine? He said, they forgot to testify. He said, you that have testified, you are made whole. So when you find people who are established on, the, on every side, they are testifiers. God healed them, but because they testified of healing, business too starts working. Because healing does not begin and end with body. Some people are not sick in their body, they are sick in their circumstances. So God will heal everything around their lives because they understand the mystery of testimony. In our world today, you beg people to testify, they still would. And they say, me, I'm not the type that testify. If you are not the type that testify, you are also not the type that will be made whole. The Christian life is a glorious life. But you will live that glorious life if you have the revelation of Jesus Christ. Tomorrow morning, I will talk to you about the new creation. So that you will know who we really are. Because most of us don't know who we are. The world has helped us to introduce ourselves to ourselves. But that's not who we are. They think we are the same. We are not the same. Jesus said, these signs shall follow them that believe. He said, in my name, they shall cast out devils. That means we are people that command spirits. We don't only talk to men. We talk to spirits and they obey us. He said, if you lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. So we are answers of human problems. And they say, if you drink any deadly thing, it can't hurt you. We are an impregnable fortress. A Christian is not a religious man. A Christian is a moving wonder to his generation. And when you know Jesus, then you become a true Christian. And so tomorrow, I will show you who a new creation is. Rise up to your feet. You know why I took my time to teach? Because this is the first session of the conference. I need you to thoroughly understand what we have come here to achieve. We have not just come here for people to be healed. We have come here for many to become like Christ. Because if you are healed, you can be sick again. But when you become like Christ, you become a healer. You can never be sick. He said, they that drink of this water, he said, out of them shall be a well springing forth to eternal life. Lift your hands toward heaven. In one minute, Hear this, hear this. I want you to see how simple it is for God to change people's situation. I want you to see it so that you know it's not ritual. Just lift your hands toward heaven. People are not going to shout. People are not going to fall. But in one minute, any challenge you have, rebuke it. 
I'm not going to do it for you. If you understood what I shared just now, you will see the first answer in the next one minute. Whatever challenge, be it cancer, be it blindness, be it deafness, be it pain, say in the name of Jesus, I rebuke it. Go ahead and do that now. Not religiously, but by faith. I rebuke cancer. I rebuke blindness. I rebuke deafness. I rebuke frustration. I rebuke arthritis. I rebuke weakness. Rebuke it now. Aggressively, aggressively. Do it like somebody creating a change. Like somebody creating a change. Caracas, Savacata, Ariga, Parato, Zalavacana. Rebuke it. Mantakiba. Mantakiba. Rebuke it. In Jesus. Precious name. If I pray for the sick now, you'll say he's anointed. That's where we lost it. It's not just about an anointing. It's about who you are. How many of you have rebooked your challenge? See the number of people? That means everybody standing here has a challenge. Now drop your hand. How many of you have noticed a change? A healing has taken place. You can feel it. Ear has opened eyes. It's seen clearer. A pain has left. Wait, wait, wait. Don't encourage Jesus. <laughs> Don't encourage me. I'm just trying to show you the efficacy of what you've heard. So that you will take this thing to the market. You will take it to your office. If I pray here, or I start calling cases by word of knowledge, you will see everybody praying. An anointed man is here. He's beyond an anointed man. He's not the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher that should work miracles. He said, these signs shall follow them that believe. And in Mark 16, 20, he said, they went out. The Lord walking with them. It is those who believe that went out. How many of you have noticed a healing now? A change now? Lift your hands. No, not everybody. <laughs> wait. Wait. I need us to be sure. Okay. I know you trust God that something has happened. We all trust God. If you have noticed a tangible healing now, maybe a growth left you, ears are seen, hearing, eyes are seen, the pain is gone. Lift your hands. A tangible healing. That's right. Look at, look behind you and see what's happening. Now, 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 hear this, hear this. Those of you, can you wave better? Wave at me. Those of you waving your hand, run to the front here now. Run, run to the front. Run to the front. An apostle did not pray. I just shared the gospel. Run to the front here. These are people that have received tangible healings. Not because I prayed. Look at the number of people coming out. Why then are Christians sick? Because they've not heard the gospel. Why then are Christians defeated? Because they've not heard the gospel. Look at the number of people healed. Nobody prayed for them. Nobody. Nobody touched them. No word of knowledge. No atmosphere. 
no anointing. See the number of people running out. They prayed for themselves. Elohim Adonai. Elohim Adonai. Elohim Adonai. Elohim Adonai. You see why we need more of conferences like this. See the number of people that were healed without anybody praying for them. Without any word of knowledge, without any laying on of hands, without any special atmosphere. Why then are Christians sick? It means they've not heard the gospel. Why are Christians defeated? It means they've not heard the gospel. So these people, after tonight's service, they can now pray for people and have changes. Look at the number of people that were touched. How many of you want to receive Jesus tonight? You want to receive Jesus tonight? Now you see that this thing is not religion. It's not ritual. If you want to accept Jesus tonight as your Lord, as your Savior, lift your right hand to heaven. I want to see their hands. Can you wave them? Can you wave them? I'm seeing hands. I'm seeing hands. With that hand lifted, say this prayer after me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I believe in my heart that Jesus is your son. He became man. He died for my sins. He was buried. On the third day, he rose again from the dead for my justification. I confess tonight with my mouth that Jesus is my Lord and that Jesus is my Savior. I receive eternal life into my spirit. I am born again. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' precious name. If you have prayed that prayer, I don't want you to just go. At the end of the service, come to the front here. Let the counselors receive your name, counsel with you, pray with you, so that you walk in the experience of what you have received. May the Lord keep you from falling. And may the Lord cause his reality to manifest through your life. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Give the Lord the shout. Those of you who have been healed tonight, we can't take the testimonies, but you can write them down. I'm sure the ushers will, will be here to collect them. Write your testimonies. Remember, don't forget to testify. Write the testimonies so that during the conference it can be shared. I took this route so that you will know it's not just about an anointed man coming to your city. It's about the truth of the gospel. It makes you become everything the word of God talks about. Congratulations for experiencing Jesus tonight. God bless you. Thank you for being a part of our broadcast. You know, we never like to end without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. Coming into Christ is beyond joining a church, is beyond a religion. It is joining God's family. And that is done when you believe in Christ Jesus. So I just want to lead you right away now. If you are, if you want to give your heart to Christ, just say after me, say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you died and rose again and that you paid for my sins. 
I accept you as my Lord and my Savior, and from today I belong to you. If you have said those words, will be late, you are born again, you are part of God's family right now. You can go ahead and rejoice about it. God bless you. We love you. Stay blessed.